So I have, I have good news for us as a church family and maybe some bad news for us as a church family. The good news is, and the bad news, that we're going to finish Colossians today. And so some of you are going, man. And somebody asked me the other day, when did you start Colossians? And I, I myself can't remember. It's been a long time. And so for those of you who it's been a real grind and you're can't wait to go somewhere else in Scripture, and I know that you love Scripture, I will finish today. For those of you who have enjoyed thoroughly Colossians, uh, it's been a rich journey. Um, it's over. But we will enter into a new section of Scripture. And pray for me as I um, continue to pray about where we're headed next as the Lord leads. Father, we just thank you. We thank you for the revelation. We get to read someone else's mail. Paul wrote this letter to the Colossians, and it instructs them and encourages them, and it breathes life into them. It tells them about the, the richness of the Savior Jesus. It tells them about who he is and his work and his character to protect them and guide them and give them a rich life in you. And we get to read their mail, God. We get to learn from their letter. And as we wrap it up today, God, I just thank you so much for just showing me, even giving me a glimpse of how important even closing this letter is. And these people that Paul mentions, Lord, and help us this morning to take stock of our own lives and the people in our lives and to be grateful and thankful. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So turn with me to chapter 4, verse 7. He reads this. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. He is a dear brother and faithful minister and fellow servant in the Lord. I'm sending to him, him to you for the express purpose that you may know about our circumstances, that he may encourage your hearts. He is coming with Anisimus, our faithful and dear brother, who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. My fellow prisoner, Aristarchus, sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. You received instructions about him. If he comes to you, welcome him. Jesus, who is called Justice, also sends greetings. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. Epaphras, who is one of you, and a servant of Christ Jesus, sends greetings. He is always wrestling in prayer for you, that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he's working hard for you, and for those at Laodicea and Heropolis. Our dear friend Luke, the doctor, and Demas send greetings. Give my greetings to the brothers at Laodicea, and to Nympha and the church in her house. After this letter has been read to you, see Two that is read in the church of the Laodiceans, and you also in turn read the letter from Laodicea. Tell Archippus to see to it that you completes the work that you have received in the Lord. I, Paul, write this greeting in my own hand. Remember my chains. Grace be with you. I was just so stirred by going through the end of this letter and asking the Lord, who are these people? 
who are he there's 11 individuals named and many others included but who are these 11 people and what do they mean to Paul and what did Paul mean to them and the question is who are your people and what do you mean to them and what do they mean to you if you were going to write a letter to some a family and you're going to include the friends, and you want to be inclusive, who are your people? And what do you mean to them? And what do they mean to you in, the, in light of this relationship? It's certainly not about popularity. I'm sure there's many other people he wanted to name individually. It's about fellowship. It's about authenticity. It's about sanctification. It's about growing up in relationship with other people. It's about relationships. Relationships, relationships, relationships. And we need to be asking ourselves, who's on your list? And what I mean by that is, who are you impacting with your life? Who are you walking with intentionally? Who are you trying to walk with intentionally? Who are you seeking out? And who's seeking out you? Building relationships is Difficult, difficult work. If you think, oh, oh, it's easy, then I would like to examine your relationships because they're probably pretty thin. And not to be critical, but if you think relationships are easy, then you're probably not putting the work into them is necessary to build deep and abiding relationships. If you're going to be, if you're going to be building deep and abiding, life altering relationships, godly relationships, relationships that edify and build up and encourage, roll up your sleeves. It is hard work. Keeping relationships is hard work. Time, intentionality, prayer, men and women. It's interesting when I think, I kept asking myself, who are these people? Right now in our little community of Minerva, right now in our little Grace Chapel body, and right now in the greater community of Clearwater County and several other counties, there's several people we love dearly that are coming to the end of the journey. And some of these folks that Paul mentions here, we don't know them. We'll meet them someday. And we'll maybe get to sit down and hear their stories. Men and women, throughout your journey, and we don't have time to name them all. We have time, and, and even to name them sometimes um, can cause difficulties because we left out somebody very important. We don't want to do that. But I think about men and women in our lives that have affected us deeply and leave a lasting impression. So I was wondering, who are these people? And I kept asking myself. And what I did as part of the study as he closes this letter, I went and looked at the ending of each of Paul's letters because I started to see, wow, there's a lot here. There's a lot here to end this letter. And in Romans alone, Paul mentions 35 individuals by name. Second Timothy, there's 16 individuals mentioned by name. 
And these are people, some that he had met and some that he had only known about, but the relationship, and my mind just is flooded with what does that mean in relationships. A couple examples. There's a man named Apelles. I think Apelles is a, a male name. At least Apelles is named in Romans, tested and approved in Christ. What, what that might mean in a relationship with Paul. If you and I walked with Paul, tested and approved in Christ. Remember, beaten, put in chains. Who's Apelles? At the end of Philippians, he pleads with Eudia and Syntyche to get along with each other as contenders. He said, these women contended at my side for the cause of the gospel. In Romans, there's a name, Epentis. Epentis, my dear friend and the first convert in the church of Christ in Asia. Imagine what that meant. Did it mean that it was months in the making as he traveled about without food, without sleep sometime, being beaten, being ridiculed? And finally, Epentis comes to Christ. You would remember that name. And if you have the privilege to lead somebody to Christ and they, they walk with Christ and they continue with Christ and they grow up with Christ, you'll remember that. There's a, a lady named Persis in Romans, a dear friend, and it says, another woman who has worked very hard in the Lord. And it makes me, what, is it, what are the relationships there? Rufus, he says, greet Rufus, and then he says something very significant. He says, greet Rufus and greet Rufus' mother, who was also a mother to me. And I've had the privilege for 10 years to have Bible study with this precious mother. And I know today is Father's Day, but you've been a mother to me for 10 years. And I thank you for that. And many of you, others of you, obviously, and we can't name everyone, but you think about, he closes the letter, and these are dear people. And he, he gives you the characteristic of some of them. The characters. And he, so, a couple others before I go there. He talks about Mark. And Mark is the person there that abandoned him. And now Mark sends his greeting. And so, Mark, and it says in 2 Timothy and Philemon that Mark's helpful. And if, if Mark comes to you, greet him. You're thinking, wait, maybe there's some timidity. Maybe Mark is worried about his uh, his reception because of what happened in the book of Acts. Then we have Demas named. Demas is greeted, sends his greeting. And in 2 Timothy, it tells us that Demas was a deserter, but he hadn't yet deserted. And so he's sending his greeting. And... In, so I wanted to just mention some of these people and look at what I found out about them. Who are these people? What are they made of? 
And so the first name there in Colossians chapter 4, verse 7, is Tychicus. Tychicus will tell you all the news about me. And now listen, you may think, well, what, what's Tychicus? Some gossiper? Somebody who's going to go and tell all the stories? No, he will tell you all the news about me. And then look what it says. It describes the character of the person. He's a dear brother. He's a faithful minister. He's a fellow servant in the Lord. He's an informer in the sense that he's going to tell you about what's going on so that you can pray and that you can be informed because relationships matter. And sometimes we're a little bit leery to share our story. We're a little bit leery to share what's going on in our lives. And I'm thinking, wait a minute. It says that he will tell you all the news about me. He's a dear brother. He's sharing information with folks that is encouraging. He's building up their lives. The opposite may be gossip and slander. Explain, but explaining what's going on with wisdom and tact and care and love. Faithful dear brother in the Lord. I am sending him to you for this express purpose that you may know about our circumstances. So some of us, especially up in the North Woods, right? We live in the North Woods because we're seclusionists. All right? You city folk, you live next to each other by choice too, all right? We live in the woods with some space. But sometimes that means we are not apt to share our lives as we could. And some of us look at it, oh, that's, about, that's bragging. Don't share your, about your life. No. If we look at Scripture, it says He'll tell you all the news. There's tact, there's love, there's wisdom, there's discernment involved in it, I'm sure, because they're dear, faithful brothers in the Lord. Dear, faithful sisters in the Lord, sharing their lives. I'm sending Him to you for this express purpose, that you may know about our circumstances and that He may encourage your hearts. So He's not going to go there and slander. He's not going to go there and discourage. He's going to go there and bring courage. Encouragement means adding strength to someone's life by what you tell them, even if it's difficult stuff. And when you're willing to tell somebody your difficult stuff, you're not looking for a pity party. You're sharing love. It's an expression of relationship. He is coming with Onesimus, our faithful and dear brother who is one of you. They will tell you everything that is happening here. And I looked at just the word Onesimus. It was very interesting because um, there's no N, but it says one in us. And I thought, well, there's a couple places in Scripture where I read, be all things to all people. Get along with people. As long as it depends on you, be at peace with all men. So here's a misinimus who is one of you who's going to come and share with each other. And the Scripture encourages us, bear one another's burdens and so fulfill the law of Christ. Some of you are here today and you don't have the privilege and be, to share and unload your load that you're carrying with another brother or sister. I would say, can't be right in the Lord. We should have relationships where we're interacting with each other on deep levels. That doesn't mean broadcast before the world, but in these intimate relationships. He knows these people personally. 
personal relationships with people that you can sit together and, and pray together and shed tears together and worship together. If you don't have someone like that in your life, I'm not blaming you, but I'm saying, listen, step up in some way. Maybe you need to say, Lord, why am I in this situation? Why, why is there no one on my list? Maybe you're not that type of person, meaning you're not being intentional about caring for people at this level. Seeking someone to shepherd and seeking someone to mentor. Seeking someone to be a neighbor to and love them. <clears throat> one, this on, Onesimus, one some us, one among us. And you're thinking, man, find that person. Especially you young people. Don't underestimate the privilege of finding an older person in your community, mow their lawn, shovel their driveway, sit and have a cup of coffee with them. Hope it's okay if the parents just let your kids have a cup of coffee with an older person. Okay, I mean the coffee part, maybe milk and cookies. But don't miss the treasure of learning to put people into your life. Go and seek them out if you're a younger person. If you're an older person, keep your eyes and your ears open. God will bring someone into your life to shepherd, to mentor, to love, to care for, to pour out into all your experience, all your knowledge, all your wisdom, all your relationship with God. So it can be on display for these young people. We're so desperate to know how to grow up. And there's in my life, God has put specific people throughout my journey in my life to help me grow. And you can be thankful because I came here at 42 or 3 or something like that. So I, I had some, some degree of maturity, but much more needing to grow. And if by God's grace or God's will, I go to another place, that other place can be thankful for all of you, right? That you helped me grow. And that we can be helpful for each other as we see friends move on to other places. And at least we were together at this part of the journey and we sharpened each other's walk. We built each other up. We encouraged one another. So in verse 10, follow, he's my fellow prisoner, Aristarchus. Well, we know that Paul was in prison. So Aristarchus, I mean, are they, were they chained together for a little while? Was Aristarchus in there already for a couple of months and then Paul was thrown in there? And Paul was a, like a fresh wind, a fresh fire coming into the jail. And Paul was sent to that particular jail because Aristarchus was in there and Aristarchus needed the Lord. We don't know. It doesn't say that, but it says, my fellow prisoner, meaning either they both saw themselves together in prison or they were in prison, or they recognized that being in Jesus is being in somewhat like a servant, a slave, a prisoner to Jesus. He sends you his greetings, as does Mark, the cousin of Barnabas. And then there's in quotes, you have received instructions about him, Mark. If he comes, you welcome him. 
So maybe, you know, there was a story in the book of Acts where Mark and Barnabas and Paul were traveling together, and it says that Mark left them. And then it left Paul and Barnabas in an argument over Mark because they thought Paul didn't want to take him, Barnabas did want to take him. They had such a dispute, they split up. All it did was multiply the gospel because of God's grace. But because of his grace, not because of the quarrel, because the Bible tells us clearly God's servants shouldn't be quarrelsome. So if Mark comes, if he comes, we're not sure he's coming. We hope he comes. We encourage him to come. But he's still a little timid because of the situation. But if he comes, you receive instructions about him. And the instructions were, you know what? He's forgiven. All is good. Accept him. Welcome him. You don't know how far you're going to go on this journey before you have a slip or a situation and it marks you and you say, well, I know God accepts me, but will the body of Christ? I don't, I know God accepts me, but will my neighbors and my friends welcome him in the Lord? In verse 11, Jesus, who's called justice, also sends greetings. And then he qualifies with Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice. These are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. In that day and age, it would be like a Muslim converting to Christianity for a Jew to become a Christian. So these particular Jews are Aristarchus, Barnabas, or Aristarchus, Mark, and Justice said, these are my only Jewish friends. Paul was the uh, minister, the apostle to the Gentiles, as Peter was an apostle to the Jews. But he's working with the Gentiles, and some Jews are still coming to Christ, making a bold stand. And these are comforters. And it says there, for the, these are the only Jews among my fellow workers for the kingdom of God, and they have proved a comfort to me. The word prove there is the same as the word tested. It's, it's the, in Romans, when he's coming in Romans 16, tested and approved is there too. So he, I think he's referring to on the journey of life, you know, he's, he was beaten. We know that he was um, went through very difficult times. Some people abandoned him. Some people deserted him. These men didn't. And they send their greeting. And he wants us to know that. He wants them to know that. Verse 12. Look at this guy, Epaphras. Epaphras, who is one of you. What does that mean exactly? Does it just mean he's a Colossian? Or does it mean he's one of you? He's one of you who have come to faith. He's one of you who have made a distinct decision in your life to leave the pagan religion of the Colossians and turn to Jesus Christ. He's one of you. He's one of you. A servant of Christ, Jesus. He sends his greeting. He is always wrestling in prayer for you. And this word wrestling I mentioned last week is the same word we get our word gymnasium from. It's effort. 
is hard work. So Epaphras is one who's wrestling in prayer for you. Praying specifically for two things there. Did you see that? He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God and that you may, may be mature, fully assured. Stand firm and be mature. Stand firm and be mature, fully assured. You could pray for one another. Pray for me that way. Pray for me that I would grow up, that I could be mature. And I'll pray for you that way. The word in the Greek is teleos. It's the word perfect. It's the word mature. It's the word we've already seen used in Colossians. But this is very interesting. It's a powerful word. In, in our minds, quickly, we think about the word perfect, and we go to flawlessness and perfection. But in the Greek language, it's a, it's a functional thing. It means a thing is perfect when it fully realizes the purpose for which it was planned. You and I were planned to be image bearers of God. Image bearers of God. And bear His image in all who you are, your talents, your gifts, your personalities. So here's Epaphras praying that you would be image bearers. He's telling the Colossians this. He's been praying for you. He's been wrestling in prayer for you that you would be all that you can be. That you would fulfill the purpose intended for you. To reach one's intended purpose. That was mean to be mature. We know that the scripture says, let us make man in our own image. Humankind was created to be like God. We're most like God when we're giving ourselves away for other people. When we're living in sacrificial, life-giving, life-breathing relationships for the highest good of our spouse, our friends, our children, our neighbor. Human beings are most like God when they're experiencing fellowship in wholesome community, the unity of the Holy Spirit. And so there's people that God's put into your life. And there's people that um, he's put you into their life that you can extend his grace through you and through them to you. And each of us are becoming this type of person. We need to, we need to think about, we all want to become the type of person we're supposed to become as far as growing up into maturity, growing up into Christ likeness, growing up into bearing the image of God. If we're more like him, we better serve our brothers and sisters. So it's interesting. I found this when I went through the closing of uh, the letter of 2 Corinthians. You can turn there if you wanted to, or you can just jot it down. But the end of 2 Corinthians closes with this same idea that Epaphras was praying about. And Paul said in 2 Corinthians 13, verse 9, we are glad whenever we are weak, but you are strong. And our prayer is for your perfection. And he's not talking about the fact that we're praying that you would be absolutely sinless. He's saying we're praying that you would grow up and be more like Jesus and bear God's image as you are intended and purposed by God to do. So our prayer is that you're for, for, for your perfection. Verse 11, 2 Corinthians 13, 11. Finally, brothers, goodbye. Aim for perfection. And then in Colossians chapter 1. Do you remember when we were in chapter 1 and Paul said this? 
we proclaim Him, talking about Jesus, we proclaim Him, admonishing and teaching everyone, so that we may present every man mature, every man perfect in Christ, every man and woman built up in Christ, every man and woman and child being who God intended them to be, bearing His image. And so when Epaphras is praying like this, it's a model of prayer. Epaphras, who is one of you, a servant of Christ, Jesus sends greetings. He's always wrestling in prayer for you that you may stand firm in all the will of God, mature and fully assured. I vouch for him that he is working hard for you and for those at Laodicea and Aeropolis. So this Epaphras is a man of prayer, wrestling in prayer, hardworking, diligent, selfless. And then there's a couple more. Paul mentions in closing, in verse 14, our dear friend Luke the doctor. And we're pretty certain that's Luke who wrote the Gospel of Luke. Luke who wrote the book of Acts. Paul's traveling companion for some of the journey. Our dear friend. Think about the experiences they went through. I mean, there's people that read Lewis and Clark's journey. And I'm not sure if you're one of them, but to be the first white men to take some of those journeys and experience some of those things mm, makes my blood boil with the adventure of it. But can you imagine this? My dear friend Luke, his traveling companion, in the early stages of the gospel breaking out, seeing miracles, watching God do what God did, as he brings freedom to the captives, sight to the blind, hearing to the deaf, new life to people who are dead, who don't know Christ. Our dear friend Luke the doctor and Demas send greetings. Now it's interesting. This is We're not positive. Is this the same Demas in Timothy that says Demas has deserted us? But here he hasn't yet. If it's the same one. Give my greetings to the brothers in Laodicea and to Nympha and the church that meets in her house. Now, who's this lady? Nympha. Who has a church meeting in her house. Church just meaning brothers and sisters in Christ. Meeting at this particular house. And Paul knows about it. And he seems to be thrilled about it. He's excited about it. And then read this letter to one another. And then a final greeting to Archippus, a worker who's dependable, finish the task at hand. So we go back where we started, okay? Who are these people? Who are these people? 35 people in the book of Romans, 16 people in 2 Timothy, 11 people here. Who are they? What do they mean to Paul? What does Paul mean to them? Who are your people right now if you're not developing these kind of relationships? You're missing out. So it's not, oh, shame on you and blame on you. It's, no, the richness of these relationships. The richness of walking with Jesus in fellowship with other believers who are walking with Jesus, who are going after it, who are praying for each other's children. Oh, the privilege this week. The privilege this week. I had a chance to be with another pastor who has a son who's also just have just no end to difficulties. 
And I have his name up in my house. And I've been praying for this boy who's 20 years old who went off to college as a, 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 a decorated athlete and a decorated student. And he had some kind of collapse mentally. They're still trying to figure it out. It's, it's, been, it's been a disaster in a sense of turmoil and difficulty and anguish. And so this week I had a chance to be with that pastor and I'd already been praying for his son and he'd been praying for my family. And so we were on a leg of our journey and I said, let's pray. And I started praying for his son and who I'd been praying for already and, and just God was among us. God was among us and I don't want you to miss those relationships. And it's, a, it's simply the close of a letter. But it's not that. These are relationships who he built with in his life, that he walked with, some shorter than others, some longer than others. But it's the richness of it. Who are your people? And who are you being people to? Who lives across the street? Who lives down the lane? Who do you pass in the supermarket? What are you doing to develop these types of friendships? What are we doing as a family, as a community, to develop these type of relationships? What does the name Doyle Foltz mean to this community? Doris Foltz mean to this community? Harvey and Bonnie Swanberg, a Dan and Cindy, a Jeanette Watkins, a Spencer Bauer, even Landon and Gracie, Don and Ruth, Hank and Elsie, and you and me. Rich, rich relationships. Because we have available to us these type of relationships, we're the richest people in the face of the earth. The body of Christ. People to walk this journey with. People to pray with, cry with, worship with. Father, we're thankful for Colossians. We're thankful for the relationships along the way. I think about the multitude of people I can't name right now that I would love to name who are on my heart who have who have steered me and guided me, who have corrected me and rebuked me, who have shepherded me. I thank you, God, for each person, even for the ones in the smallest way, in the largest way. I thank you for the ones I'm yet to meet. And we thank you, God. We thank you, each one of us. Thank you for the friends and family and neighbors and people you put in our life, the precious people, the precious people. In Jesus' precious name we pray, amen.